Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Vox Novus. The new voice. Vox Novus. The new dimension. Vox Novus. Thought and movement leaders who will share from their experience and offer tools to help us navigate our rapidly changing world. My name is Victor Furman. Welcome to Vox Novus, the new voice. Are you highly intuitive, empathic, and sense things that your friends and family may not? Do you know what others are thinking before they say it? Are you hesitant to share these experiences, concerned about what others may think? My guest this week on Vox Novus, Angela Wicks, says you may be a secret psychic. Angela Wicks is the acquiring editor for Body, Mind, Spirit Books at Llewellyn Worldwide. She's also a certified medical Reiki master and ordained minister of holistic healing. She's the author of Llewellyn's Little Book of Unicorns and has contributed her writing to The Edge, Elephant Journal, and Llewellyn's Complete Book of Mindful Living. She has also professionally practiced massage therapy and energy medicine. Her website is angelaann.wixsite.com forward slash arts. And she joins me this week to share her path and new book, The Secret Psychic, Embrace the Magic of Subtle Intuition, Natural Spirit Communication, and Your Hidden Spiritual Life. Please join me in welcoming to Vox Novus, Angela Wicks. Welcome, Angela. Thank you. I'm really glad to be here. Angela, we had the pleasure of meeting and being classmates during Raven Key's Certified Medical Reiki Masterclass back in August of 2020. I know that Reiki is one of your many spiritual and artistic callings. Please share with our listeners your path and how it led to the work that you bring to our world. So I started working with Reiki and energy work when I was in my early 20s. And prior to that, um, probably around age 12, I started just avidly reading anything that I could get on um, psychic ability, near-death experience, mediumship, everything in this world, <laughs> this world of um, the unusual, the subtle energy types of things. I was always really, really intrigued and fascinated. So um, I just developed alone on my own, reading those books, feeding myself with that information. But then when I was um, in college, I started exploring the side of energy work. And I met with um, Reiki master who attuned me. And from there, that journey into energy work really um, took me further and deeper into the side of myself with all the subtle energy and psychic ability and awareness. Now, when were you first aware, really aware of subtle energy and how did that manifest for you? 
That's a really challenging question because I feel like it has always been in my awareness to some degree, but because it's always been my reality, there wasn't like a moment where I was like, oh my gosh, hey, this is, this is something that um, maybe everyone doesn't experience. Um, the first moment that I can remember where I um, experienced a psychic phenomenon I was probably like four years old and I was playing with this little toy and it had a bee inside of it and it was magnetized and it was in this little bottle. So when I would shift the bottle around, it would look like this bee was flying around in the bottle. And I was just immersed, so focused looking, looking at this toy um, and fascinated with it. And all of a sudden I heard psychically someone buzzing in my ear and it was this really loud buzz, just this bzzz, and I jumped and I, I didn't understand where that noise had come from. There was no one around me. And it wasn't until I was older and I was learning about subtle ability, subtle energy, psychic ability, that I was like, oh my gosh, that was a moment where there had been a spirit with me who was just kind of playing, um, being playful with me and got my attention. And this, that's the first memory that I have of connecting with those subtle abilities. Thinking back upon that, you said you sort of jumped up. Were you challenged by that experience? I wasn't scared. I was just confused because I didn't have a context for hearing someone that I didn't physically see around me. So there was just this sense of confusion. And did you share any of those early experiences with family or friends? I didn't. I think I had this um, just knowing that it was kind of odd <laughs> um, and that I, I might not be believed. Um, yeah, so it was just already in me at that really young age that maybe this was something that other people wouldn't understand. And I've always been someone who has been an observer. So I kind of take my own experience and watch other people around me first before I share my own side of things to see if it's safe for me to share. I've always been that way. So I think that was part of my reservation of bringing things up at that time. I was going to ask you this question later, but because we're talking about this now, what advice would you offer parents of children who are demonstrating these subtle abilities? I would say first, definitely acknowledge it out loud speak about it with your child, um, get them communicating and sharing their, what their experience is and validate it in some way. Um, even if you don't understand it, just confirm to them that this is their true experience. And also another great tip would be to learn. Learn about this subtle ability and the subtle nature. Um, in my book, The Secret Psychic, Echo Bodine provided a foreword. And in the, the first line, she says, I wish that every parent would read this book. And mm -hmm. that really hit me. <laughs> um, I think it's really good to explore this world so that you can understand your what your child might be going through and help them to understand it themselves. I've shared this before. Uh, I was open as a kid, and my paternal grandfather 
Uh, I was a child at the time and he was well into his 80s, but he was very much a mystic and he used to share a lot of things with me. In any event, around my seventh birthday, I was sitting in my house uh, reading a book or something and I looked up, my grandfather was standing there. And I said, Grandpa, when did you come in? He didn't say a word, just smiled. And he sort of just faded away. Um. And I went into the living room and I said to my mother and father, Grandpa was just here. And they said, you're imagining things. I was one of these kids who was labeled with an overactive imagination. And shortly thereafter, the phone rang with word of my grandfather's passing. So that was my first indication at a very early age. And my parents Mm. looked at me and looked at me with (laughs) You know, obviously there was sorrow at the passing of my grandfather, but they're saying, how did you know? And uh, that sort of repeated itself throughout, but I sort of put all that away until I was in my uh, mid to late thirties. And just as you shared, Reiki became for me, the accelerant that sort of yeah. pushed everything into high gear. Yeah. What led to your ordination as an interfaith minister? It was actually that interest in energy work. Um, at the time I was already taking some classes on psychic and intuitive development with again, Echo Bodine. Um, So I was in those classes and she knew of someone who did a program that was fully immersed in energy work. And she knew that I had that interest. So I ended up going into that program where ordination was the conclusion of the program. And it was the the program itself was all about, um, you know, it was an interfaith program. So I learned about all different traditions and the history of these different types of practices um, but then we were already, we were, we were also working with clients, um, who had terminal conditions. Um, so we were working energetically with those individuals. And so my program was all about energy work, um, with the conclusion of that ordination. You know, it's interesting because Reiki was what brought me to interfaith ministry, And uh, without going into the whole story that listeners may have heard before, in those days, if you wanted to go into a hospital and do a laying on of hands or any type of energy work, you either had to be a licensed massage therapist or Mm -hmm. ordained in a faith where laying on of hands was part of the spiritual practice. And obviously, Mm -hmm. uh, I had a full-time job. I couldn't uh, uh, take three years and go to massage school. But uh, through a series of wonderful, wonderful synchronicities, I learned about the new seminary of New York enrolled. I had a wonderful two-year program, was ordained, and that gave me the ability to do that. But as we know, once we have one intention, sometimes it leads to many, many different places. Yes. (laughs) And and, and consequently, so much, much more came through that experience. So I'm always grateful for the fact that Reiki was the accelerant. The ordination was the, uh, how shall I put it, the stamp on the seal. Yeah. That really said, my path forward. Tell us about your role with Llewellyn and how that is a natural extension of your practices and callings. I've been with Llewellyn now for just about 11 years and I'm an acquiring editor there. So I am the first person who's looking at submissions or I'm coming up with book ideas along with the publisher and finding authors to write those books. So, um, you know, my understanding of the subtle energy, psychic ability, energy work, holistic practices, all of this background really came to a focus point where now I'm working with authors who are in this realm. And because I have that background understanding at my core (laughs) of how these things function, it really helps me to be able to help authors be able to most effectively present their materials in their books. 
Do you find these meetings with authors something like a family reunion? Because every time I do one of these interviews, by the time the interview is over, I say, I've been traveling with this person before. This is soul family. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Um, When I started at Llewellyn, I felt like I remember telling a friend, I feel like if I didn't, if I hadn't believed in God before this, I would believe in God now because this was just meant to be for me to be in this position and be connecting with all of these people. Because like, like you said, it feels like home. Absolutely. It's interesting that you mentioned that because in my seminary experience, our teacher used to use an ancient expression, hakol beseda, which means everything is in order is the traditional translation. But he used to say, no, everything is unfolding in divine order. Uh, Mm -hmm. There are no coincidences. Everything that's supposed to happen will happen when you open your eyes and recognize that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I believe that also. Prior to The Secret Psychic, you wrote Llewellyn's little book of unicorns. Why do unicorns hold such a special place in our imagination? And how may we embrace their energy? Unicorns are so prominent right now. It's kind of amazing (laughs) how much they have exploded in everyone's awareness. And I think that it's because people have this need, especially right now, to connect with their own magic. And unicorns really present that um, of, you know, we're all these magical beings. We all have this happiness, this lightness and joy that is within us. And we're born that way and life kind of bogs us down. So I think unicorns are this epitome archetype of reconnecting and trying to find what that inner magic is and what that core joy is that you may have lost. Um, And there's the sense of playfulness around them also. So in the book, I get into the historical folklore, the background of unicorns, but the heart of the book is all about that archetype and how you can embrace this archetypal figure of the unicorn and reconnect with the pieces of yourself that you may have lost along the way. And what is our inner unicorn like? I would say for me, I can say it was my five-year-old self. (laughs) So it's that piece of you that is just so pure and joyful there's that laughter sense, and just that playfulness. Yeah. That sense of innocence, that yes, sense of purity, yes. that sense that everything is so special around you, isn't it? Right. Right. And things are new and like, you know, you're going outside and you're looking at a flower that's on the ground at your feet and just kind of engrossed in it. You're finding that magic in the everyday. Is part of developing our intuitive senses, our psychic senses, embracing and remembering that inner child? Yeah, I think that a big part of it is remembering ourselves and reconnecting with um, just this natural flow, this energy that connects all of us. Um, And as you're developing and reconnecting with that subtle energy, that subtle side of yourself, that's something that can become really surprising where because you're becoming more conscious of different instances that might be occurring, you start to realize how incredibly connected we all really, really are. Absolutely. There was a song by the Moody Blues called The Eyes of a Child, and the lyric went in part, with the eyes of a child, you must come out and see that your world's spinning round, and through life you will be 
a small part of a whole of a love that exists with the eyes of a child you will see. I always love that lyric. Oh, I love that. So tell us what inspired your new book, The Secret Psychic? I was <laughs> I was in a co- coffee shop one day with my friend and we were whenever we would get together, um, we would talk for hours about our spiritual side, about the explorations we were going through, the different realizations we were having. And I had been talking with her quite a bit that year about um, how she was delving deeper into this intuitive and psychic side of herself. And this was an exploration that I had gone through like 20 years prior to that point. So thankfully I was, I felt really good about the fact that I was able to answer so many questions that she was having at that time, because they were the same questions that I had lived through those many years before. And it was in that moment at that coffee shop when I just had this epiphany moment of like, wow, we have both paralleled our experience. So point by point, and if we're, we've gone through this experience together at these different points, um, so much in parallel, there have to be so many other people that are going through the same thing too. And I just realized that there could be a really good opportunity for a resource to fill that gap for people of all the, these questions that I would have definitely craved having answered in a single book for someone who is the secret psychic, this person who's practicing on their own, they have all of these really amazing experiences and might want to feel like they want to share that with other people because there's just, it's such an incredible experience. But there's also this feeling of like, I'm not sure if I should share or it doesn't really feel safe for me to share. So um, it's all about that type of experience and learning how to practice independently. Do you think that the isolation that has resulted from our couple of years of pandemic and being sort of shut in and cut off socially has enabled people who had the abilities or aware of their abilities to sort of develop them? Yeah, I definitely do think that. Um, I myself, I've never bought so many books within two years than I have during this pandemic. And I know from um, feedback that I've heard at Llewellyn that that's also true of our readers. Um, And, you know, they're all about this world, the spirituality and psychic development and other spiritual explorations. So um, readers are craving this material during, during this time. It's been really obvious that this has been something that's been more deeply explored during this time. Please tell us about the enchanting artwork on the cover of The Secret Psychic. So I do paintings. I do um, abstract acrylic. I I mix in fabric and textiles into my work. And my sister, um, she passed away 10 years ago. And stories about her after she passed away, um, my continued connection with her, these psychic experiences and mediumship type experiences, I tell a lot of those stories and they're threaded throughout the book. And one of them um, occurred immediately after I found out that she had passed away. I had this vision and 
um, as a reflection of that vision, I ended up doing a painting kind of as like art therapy. I did a lot of art therapy after she passed away, just processing that experience. And um, it just turned out that that painting ended up being used on the cover. And just describe the painting for the readers, uh, for the listeners who haven't gotten the book yet. So um, as I said, it's like abstract acrylic. uh, There's fabric interwoven in it. Um, After my sister passed away, uh, we ended up cleaning out all of her stuff. And I ended up taking a bunch of her clothes and she liked to sew. So I had some of her fabric. So actually some of the fabric that you see on the cover in that painting is fabric that was hers. So there's this green fabric across the top that was from her fabric stash. Um, and then there's there's like a bird on the cover and it's very floral. And that um, integrates with the vision that I had that is explained in the book as well. It's quite beautiful. And the reason I asked you to describe it was because it appears to me that there's a psychic message in that work. Yeah, I mean, a big part of that story was all about seeing psychically. And um, it was really a strong connection of, um, you know, I didn't understand it immediately. I mean, I, I understood that she was connecting with me, but I didn't completely understand what I was seeing in that vision. And it took many weeks for things to further unfold, for her to continue bringing messages to me and to other people. And this all interwove into a concluding experience where I went into a meditation to connect with her. And um, after that, I tuned in to visualize that vision once again, and I could see more clearly what I hadn't understood before. And so it's all about seeing and connecting with spirit. My guest is Angela Wicks. Her new book, The Secret Psychic, Embrace the Magic of Subtle Intuition, Natural Spirit Communication, and Your Hidden Spiritual Life. Angela, please tell our listeners where they can get the book and find out more about you and your wonderful work. Um, You can find information about purchasing the book at my website. That's www.angelaann.wicks.com dot com forward slash arts. So that's Angela Ann and that's A-N-G-E-L-A-A-N-N dot W-I-X. And we'll be back with more of Angela and the Secret Psychic after these words on the Own Times Radio Network. The best of the holistic, spiritual, and conscious world. Om Times Radio. IOM FM. Om Times Magazine is one of the leading online content providers of positivity, wellness, and personal empowerment. A philanthropic organization, their net proceeds are funneled to support worldwide charity initiatives via Humanity Healing International. Through their commitment to creating community and providing conscious content, they aspire to uplift humanity on a global scale. Om Times co-creating a more conscious lifestyle. So I'm a cat, and I just moved in with this new human, and she's got this little toy she's always playing with, all day long. Tap, 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 bloop, bloop. She can't put it down. There it is. Oh, and get this. She even talks to it. Last week, she asked it for Chinese, and guess what? Egg rolls showed up, like magic. Humans have cool toys. A person is the best thing to happen to a shelter pet. Be that person. Adopt. 
Brought to you by the Ad Council and the ShelterPetProject.org. More than 24 million Americans have an autoimmune disorder, and that number continues to grow. I'm Sharon Saylor, and I'm one of those 24 million. To put that number in perspective, cancer affects about 9 million and heart disease up to 22 million. That's why I've brought together top experts and those thriving regardless of their diagnosis to bring you the latest, most up-to-date information. Join me, Sharon Saylor, Friday night, 7 p.m. Eastern, for the Autoimmune Hour on Life Interrupted Radio to find out how to live your life uninterrupted. Back on Box Novus, my guest this week, Angela Wicks, her new book, The Secret Psychic. Embrace the magic of subtle intuition, natural spirit communication, and your hidden spiritual life. Angela, is there a difference between being psychic and being intuitive? Uh, For me, I use the terms interchangeably, but I know that other people sometimes do distinguish between the two. Um, If I do need to distinguish, the way that I would set them apart is that um, psychic ability is the breakdown of the different types of ability. So your psychic seeing, your psychic hearing, your psychic emotion or knowing. And then intuition is the full-bodied use of all of those abilities. So it could be like um, your hands... (laughs) Your hands are the psychic abilities, and then your full body is the use of that intuition. Absolutely. Why is it important for closeted psychics to come out right now? Well, I would say it's definitely up to the individual with their comfort level to to not force it and come out as you feel um, as you feel inspired to. Um, but it can be so valuable and helpful to share your abilities for your, in, for yourself. It, it allows this sense of wholeness where you don't have to feel like you're living two different lives. So there can be this sense of authenticity. But then on the flip side, you sharing allows other people to also share. It gives other people that permission and it helps them to kind of tune up of like, oh, I've kind of had that similar type of experience too. And, you know, it, it, it's just this um, exponential growth of awareness when one person shares and then another and another. Do you think we've come to a time in society, in our culture, where it's easier for people to share this than it used to be? Yeah, I do. Um, I think more people are becoming aware Um, Part of that is just the way that our information is shared nowadays. You can access more information more easily and connect with people who are like-minded more easily. And because of that, it has kind of entered more mainstream knowing. Um, There's more television shows that talk about these types of um, abilities. So I think that definitely it has become easier to share How may we learn to understand and embrace our subtle intuitive abilities? Well, part of it is learning about the basics of what they actually are. Because, like I said about that experience where I heard that buzz and I just was so confused, um, I had no context for it. So 
without context, it can be hard to develop. And um, it can also make things like you had said, it might be scary when you don't, don't understand it. So a beginning point is learning what exactly these abilities even are and how they function, which is the starting point that I get in, into in the book. And then um, just practicing with different basic exercises. So one basic exercise would be first tuning into your breath, relaxing, and then allowing yourself to feel, just feel your own energy and ask spirit if they have any messages for you. And then listening to what comes in, into your awareness. So it's almost an act of prayer, but instead of just asking, of speaking out your need, you're tuning in and allowing spirit to connect with you and bring messages that it might have for you. So what you're describing is actually a practice of meditation to get into. Right. Yep, exactly. Are there any specific meditations that you find very helpful? Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Um, One that I often recommend to people is this practice of learning to tune in. So you are, instead of listening to and tuning into your external world, you're learning to tune into your own body, your own energy. So you sit in that stillness. And then once you're in that stillness, you ask of spirit, of your higher awareness, what is my intuitive sign for yes. And then you just sit in that. It might be a feeling or you might see something or you might hear something. Um, And then you ask, what is my intuitive sign for no? And then once you have that yes or no, moving forward, if you have an experience or like, for example, um, I have lots of food sensitivities. So I might be in a grocery store, hold an item and tune in. and then see whatever my yes or no is asking, is this item beneficial for me? So you can use that to as a starting point for tuning in and asking spirit yes or no questions. How may we differentiate between messages from spirit and those that are generated from our internal ego? This can be a huge challenge. <laughs> this is a big question. Um, Uh, One thing that can help to define it is checking in with yourself to see, has my logical mind been trying to solve this problem? Or has the answer just kind of fallen into my awareness? So for example, there was one day where I 
was experiencing all of these different signs and synchronicities, but I didn't connect. I didn't connect the dots until the last sign came. And it was, I was looking at this frog that I was holding in my hand um, that has had come as a sign. And this butterfly flew across my vision in between me and the frog. And I just immediately started crying. And I had this no- immediate knowing that all of the things that had occurred that morning had been uh, a message from my sister. Hmm. And because I was crying and I didn't even have time to even think like, what does this mean? Is this my sister? Like trying to put the pieces together. I knew at my core, like, wow, this was my sister and my emotions felt it before my logical mind could even try to solve it. That that's a huge cue. (laughs) Um, And then another thing to pay attention to is just those aha moments where you're so shocked by what happened that um, there's that inner knowing. It's really a strong feeling that um, the pieces that you're putting together are part of a message. It's interesting. I had an experience several years ago where I was driving with uh, my wife and our son on a local highway, and we were in the leftmost lane doing the speed limit. The traffic was uh, at the speed limit. It was heavy traffic, but at the speed limit. And my inner voice said, get out of this lane now. And I did. I always listened when I got messages like yeah. that. And it wasn't shouting at me. It wasn't. It was. A, it was mm-hmm. a loving, advising voice saying, "Get out of the lane now." Yeah. And I did. And within five seconds, there was a multiple car accident that we would have been in the middle of had I had I not gotten out of that lane. Wow. And other than that inner voice, I had no other indication. There was. I didn't see traffic stopping anywhere. I didn't see anything happening other than the voice saying, "Get over." And I did. I did it yeah. safely. And within yeah. five seconds, boom, 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 boom. So uh, listening to that inner voice, and yeah. I find that the inner voice, rather than being a shouting voice, which I think sometimes comes from ego, is yeah. more of a calming, reassuring, this is what you need to do voice. I would definitely agree with that. You had talked about the various ways people sense energy. We have talked about this many times. Um, the Claire's, uh, clairvoyance, clairaudience, which ones do you have developed? Uh, the ones that come most consistently and that are like the primary ones that pop up for me um, is clear empathy, that mm-hmm. emotional connection mm-hmm. with other people. And then I also get clear audience and clairvoyance most strongly. And with clear audience, when I am hearing, um, that one usually surprises me. So I might be in a store Like there was one example where I was at a store at a checkout line and I heard a full sentence that the cashier thought before she spoke it out loud. (laughs) And those moments can be really jarring (laughs) because you're just not anticipating them at all. So when I get clear audience, it's usually a surprise. It's something um, that I'm not actively trying to pursue. But if I'm connecting with spirit in a mediumship type of way, it's usually that sense of knowing and that sense of emotion that I get and also the, the vision. How may those who are starting to develop themselves determine which of their clairs they should work with? Well, you can work with all of them. It just depends on if you want to try to strengthen your most prominent ones. 
or if you want to try to build up the ones that are kind of working in the background <laughs> and that you aren't immediately going to. And I think there's value in both of those. So at times you might prefer to be strengthening those most natural ones. Um, I think that's a good starting point because you'll get more validation immediately that way. And then once you become um, a little more practiced, you can start looking at those abilities that aren't as natural to you. In the early 2000s, I was teaching a class locally called Anervision, in which I would uh, teach people or help people to find which of the clairs worked for them. And one of the things that I would share in the introduction to the class was that if someone says something and you say, I see what you're saying, chances are you're clairvoyant. Yeah. If you say, I hear what you're saying, chances are you're clairaudient. If you say, I feel you, obviously you're clairsentient. So that's one of the ways that people can do that. Yeah. And you can even do that independently where you go into a meditation. Um, like in my book, you could use really any of the meditations where you're meeting a guide or working with those in spirit. Practice the meditation like that. And then <clears throat> after you do that meditation, journal about it and just write down naturally what you experienced and um, what unfolded in that meditation. And then read back what you wrote and see the language that you used of like what you're saying, if you felt, if you saw, if you heard types of things. And that can be a really good cue. It's kind of like if you ask me how I hear spirit, like some people will say, oh, I hear them in my right ear. And then um, I perceive something else on my left side. I would never have been able to tell you <laughs> what mine is, but in doing interviews and watching videos back, when I talk about hearing spirit, I always, I always move my hand by my right ear. <laughs> so I know that when I'm hearing spirit, they're coming at me through that right side um, of my body. You know, it's interesting because the right side is the uh, the right side connects to the left side of the brain, which is the side of communication. So that's interesting that that works for you that way. Yeah. I used to call myself jokingly an A-Claire. I said, I have all the Claire's. I'm an A-Claire. But that's <laughs> <laughs> is spirit communication something that everyone may develop? Yes, I would definitely say yes. Um I think that, you know, we all come from spirit, we all are spirit, and we're still connected. And um, we all have these intuitive psychic abilities, it's part of how we function. Um, and, you know, some people are more sensitive, some people have an easier time connecting, but that's kind of the same with any other ability. Like, I can play piano, but it's not good. <laughs> <laughs> Um, if I wanted to develop it, I could, I would just need to practice a little harder and maybe harder than someone else might have to, but I could still, I can still play. Um, it's the same with our subtle ability. I can see a group of psychics, of secret psychics sitting around in a circle, raising their hands saying, my name is Victor and I'm a psychic and everybody going around the circle <laughs> and doing that. How may secret psychics support one another? Um, I, I would say sharing your experience, even if it's not publicly, if you find someone who has these interests and you just share with each other, um, you're building each other up. And that is really powerful. Absolutely. What are some of the challenges that secret psychics may face? 
ones. <laughs> um, one of the main ones when you're developing are, or even when you're not, because even if you aren't actively practicing, these abilities can pop up unexpectedly. I, I would say that that's one of the biggest challenges is when the, when, so you're practicing and you're intentionally doing it, but there are those moments when you might not be anticipating it, where they seep into everyday life when you might not really be wanting them to be popping up in your daily life. So that can be a challenge of um, learning how to recognize those moments and then not being shocked by them. Um, and as you learn uh, about them, you become more aware and in that way, they become one, not less scary because you know, you know what's going on when it occurs. Um, and so, so, for example, my strongest ability is that connection with emotion and with thought. But it is so natural to me that I often at least previously, wouldn't recognize it. And I would think that other people's emotions and other people's thoughts were my own. And it would cause a lot of anxiety. It would, you know, kind of take me in the depression mode sometimes. But now I, because I've developed and I've worked with these abilities so much, a lot of times when a challenging emotion or something comes in, I can be like, wait a minute, is that mine? And I can tune in and feel into it and be like, oh no, that's this person's. I can let this go. This isn't mine. I don't have to deal with it type of a thing. So um, that's one of the big challenges is developing enough so that you can bring this into your conscious awareness and um, not be challenged by those types of issues. My guest is Angela Wicks. Her new book, The Secret Psychic, Embrace the Magic of Subtle Intuition, Natural Spirit Communication, and Your Hidden Spiritual Life. We'll be back with more of Angela after these words on the OM Times Radio Network. Humanity Healing International is a small nonprofit with a big dream. Since 2007, HHI has been working tirelessly to bring help to communities with little or no hope. Our projects are not broad mandates, nor are they overnight solutions, but they bring the reassurance that no one is alone and that someone cares. To learn more, please visit HumanityHealing.org. Humanity Healing is where your heart is. Hello, I'm Sandy Sedgbeer, host of Om Times Magazine's flagship radio show, What is Going On? My passion is sifting through information, research and innovations from new thought teachers, speakers and researchers, pushing back the boundaries of what we know about life, energy, metaphysics and the universe. I love shifting perceptions about who we are, why we're here and how quickly impossible becomes normal when we open our minds, expand our awareness and accept that the only limits that exist are those we place upon ourselves. So if you're the kind of forward thinking, eager investigator of what lies beyond the current reality that most perceive, why not make a date to come play with me in the field of possibilities at 4pm Pacific Time, 7pm Eastern Time every Thursday and together we can discover what's really going on. Ascending Hearts is no ordinary dating site, but a spiritual dating site with a purpose, to link you with your soulmate. We engineer the serendipity so you can trust that you will attune with someone that has the same matching vibration as you. Ascending Hearts, 
the conscious dating site for the spiritually aware. Try Ascending Hearts for free. AscendingHearts.com Imagine yourself being transported to India, to the banks of the Ganga, and an ashram in Rishikesh. Visualize that you are welcome to satsang with an American sannyasi who shares the wisdom of her guru. Your visualization has manifested. Join Satvi Bhagawati Saraswati for inspiration and transformation every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on Om Times Radio. Learn more at She Can STEM, a message brought to you by the Ad Council. Back on Vox Novus, my guest this week is Angela Wicks. Her book is called The Secret Psychic, Embrace the Magic of Subtle Intuition, Natural Spirit Communication, and Your Hidden Spiritual Life. Angela, I know from personal experience that subtle information may appear in the form of symbols that we might not understand. How do we develop a personal symbol lexicon? So a big part of this is just starting (laughs) and deciding to start writing down different symbols that you might notice in your daily life and tuning in to see what that personally means for you. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And I give an exercise in my book where I list out a lot of different potential symbols that you might run into. Um, So in the book, I interviewed 12 different professional practicing psychics and subtle energy intuitives. And in part, I asked them what symbols come up most commonly for them and what would be good for a beginner to be aware of. So I include those main symbols in that list. So you can tune in, find your personal meaning, and start building your own symbol dictionary. And in the book, I also include my results of that practice. And so you can see what my meanings might be, and that might enhance your own meaning as well. And then from there, you can just continue uh, noticing symbols that pop up for you in your daily life. Symbols that appear in your dreams as well are really great to add in there because that could be spirit working with you to tune into the meaning of a symbol that could be um, significant moving forward for you. I often experience birds landing on fences and looking at me. I don't have any food for them. I don't have anything to give them, but they just stand there and they look at me. Any kind of definition behind that? It could be. I mean, a huge piece of it is what it feels like in the moment 
that you are having that occurrence. And if it feels significant to you in that moment and you have that deep inner knowing, that kind of aha awareness, um, then definitely yes. I would say yes. What I'm hearing when I see them is let's fly. <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> Maybe that's part of my uh, my makeup of always wanting to be able to fly other than with an airplane. So maybe that's what that's about for me. How may these messages manifest in everyday life, our personal and professional relationships and elsewhere? And what should we do when this happens? Well, for me, like in terms of symbols, I, um, so as an example, my mom had a fox family living in her backyard a couple of years ago and she would share occasionally videos of these foxes and it was just something that was really fun especially at the start of the pandemic when we were all separated from each other and foxes have always been something that my other sister really really loves um and so um recently as this book was releasing and I was feeling pretty emotional around the 10 year anniversary of my, my other sister's passing. I actually started seeing a fox around my property, which I've lived here for almost 10 years and I've never seen a fox here before. (laughs) And it was just like, wow. Okay. Hi, Amy. (laughs) Thanks for being around because for me, foxes became such a strong symbol about family and also sisterhood. And so now it's become a symbol that my sister who has passed away has used to let me know that she's around. So that's a daily life occurrence. Um, one example. What about you're, you're in your workplace, uh, people who go to a work now, especially that the pandemic is starting to uh, subside and people go to their workplace and they get a message about a coworker. What do you do? Um, well, I would keep it to myself, <laughs> actually. Um, so ethically, if you are getting messages about other people and they aren't actively asking you for a message <laughs> in that way, it's not great to walk up to them and be like, hey, I got this psychic message about you and this is what it is, because that can be really shocking for other people. You don't always know what other people's beliefs are, and um, it's kind of like dropping a bomb on them. So if that if this happened and I kind of knew that they might be interested, if we had a history of talking about these kinds of things, then in that instance, I might be like, hey, I got this um, intuitive message. I'm wondering if you might be interested in hearing any of it. Um, and if you are, let me know when works for you to talk about it. But this would be more of an instance where I consider this coworker um, a friend and we have these types of more intimate conversations. But if I'm getting an intuitive message about a coworker it, where I'm not going to actively be sharing with them about it, it could just be a message for you to be aware of something. So maybe, um, maybe they're having a really hard time and it's kind of this awareness that's bringing you um, just into your consciousness so you can be aware of maybe they need a little bit of help on a project and you can give them extra support in that way. Or maybe it's um, a caution for you to kind of steer clear of that coworker for a while. Um, So a lot, a lot of times I would, if you're getting a message about other people, I would take it um, 
to kind of tune into what that individual situation is and how I've, to approach it. I've often received information when practicing Reiki and have struggled with whether to share the information with the recipient. What mm -hmm. advice would you offer those with similar experiences? I also often get intuitive information during Reiki as well. And the way that I approach it now is ahead of a session, I will let people know sometimes during sessions, I get intuitive information. If this is something that you're interested in hearing about during or after the session, let me know and I'll share that with you. And if it's not, I'll keep it to myself. So you're basically putting it in the other person's court and allowing them to give you confirmation one way or the other on whether or not to share. So you're asking them permission to share. You're not just sharing automatically. And outside of Reiki sessions, this works as well. You can let someone know, you know, sometimes I get intuitive feelings or information. Um, would you ever be interested in hearing that insight if I ever get something that might be directly for you? And then that lets them know you get that information and it allows them to give you permission what, one way or then another. Allowing the other person the freedom to say yes or no, basically have make yes. it their choice, make it absolutely yep. their choice. And it takes it off your shoulders of feeling this burden of, oh my gosh, should I, shouldn't die and trying to decide. No, you're letting the other person decide. Are there safe psychic boundaries? Yeah. Um, in terms of very related to what we're just talking about of letting other people decide, you're also letting... So psychically, for example, if you are getting information from spirit, so for example, if you have a certain spirit who is asking you to connect with a person and give a message, you can say, you know what? No, I don't have a personal connection with this individual. If you want me to share a message with this person, you have to figure out how to bring them to me in a way that makes this um, ethical and feel safe for both of us. So that's a good boundary example of setting with spirit. Um, in the book, I also give other types of boundary examples where, um, you know, if you're kind of getting overwhelmed with messages, with insights, with psychic slip-in types of deals, you can set boundaries with spirit and um, kind of dampen those abilities and let them know, like, I'm overwhelmed. I don't want so much. Let's tune down the station dial a little bit. Yeah. Not tonight. Yeah. <laughs> to exactly. Get a full night's sleep. Please let yep. me sleep. Yep. I've, I've been there. I've been there. What about getting into an elevator with someone? You get a message. What do you do? Oh, <laughs> I would keep that to myself. <laughs> When you're getting that information, you're in that enclosed space. And now that we're getting back to enclosed spaces and, and you're getting that information and do you ever look at the person or do you ever just turn your vision away? No, I would. Yeah, I wouldn't make a connection um, unless it's just, you know, like naturally starting a, a conversation with someone that doesn't feel like you're stepping over boundaries that shouldn't be stepped over. <laughs> And the last one, you're in a relationship with someone, husband, wife, uh, boyfriend, girlfriend, a partner, significant other, whatever you want to call it, and you get a message. What do you do? I think it depends on what your level of comfort is and what your past level of connection and discussion around these topics has been. 
same with anyone else that you might share with. Um, you know, when I was first married to my husband, he didn't really know about these interests because at that time I wasn't sharing with anyone about them really. Um, and it was years into my marriage when I had, um, I unexpectedly did a reading for someone who asked for it at the time. And it was so shocking and it was so spot on that when I got home, I had to share it with him because it was just so amazing. And that kind of blew the door open of me just continuing to share these abilities and things with him. Um, so if you get a message for anyone, really, whether it's family, friend, coworker, someone you don't know, um, it doesn't matter to me. I think it should always be in asking them of permission. How did you hide it for so long with your husband? <laughs> I, you know, I'm a really, uh, I had this secret inner world. I think a lot of people do. And it was just so natural for me to hide it <laughs> that it wasn't even a challenge because it was just this, you know, sacred piece of myself that was my inner exploration. What would you like readers to take away from The Secret Psychic? I really want readers to get a sense of empowerment. That is the number one takeaway that I hope readers will gain and to feel not alone. So when we're practicing secretly on our own, independently, um, that sense of isolation can be really lonely. And I want to banish that, <laughs> to banish that feeling, because even if you continue practicing alone and it remains a hidden thing for a long time for you, just to know that you're not alone and to be able to see the shared experience that parallels um, with other people, even people who are professionals and practicing out there who, where I, sh I share the experience of different professionals in the book, when you can see that your beginning point is at the same level that theirs was, it's really empowering and just so supportive. So that's number one, what I hope people take away. My guest, Angela Wicks, her new book, The Secret Psychic. Angela, one more time, please tell our listeners where they can get your book and find out more about you. My website is www.angelaann.wicks.com forward slash arts. Angela, thank you so much for joining us and sharing this wonderful and very valuable information. Thank you so much for having me here. And thank you for joining us on Vox Novus. I'm Victor, the voice Furman. Have a wonderful week. 